You're listening to a podcast from the Tudor and Stuart Ireland Conference. The seventh annual Tudor and Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference took place at NUI Galway in August 2017. The conference was generously supported by the College of Arts, Social Sciences and Celtic Studies at NUI Galway, the School of Humanities at NUI Galway, the Moore Institute at NUI Galway, the Disciplines of History and English at NUI Galway, the Women's History Association of Ireland and Marsh's Library. As in previous years, the majority of papers were recorded for podcasting by Real Smart Media, in association with UCD's History Hub. There are now more than 180 podcasts from previous Tudor and Stuart Ireland conferences freely available. To access this archive, go to historyhub.ie forward slash podcasts or visit tudorstuartireland.com. In this episode, a recording of a paper by Patrick Hayes from Trinity College Dublin. His paper was entitled Hazards to Marine Activity, Extreme Weather and Piracy in Irish and Adjacent Waters, 1535 to 1660. So as um, you just heard, the topic of this presentation today is about extreme weather and piracy in Irish waters in the early modern period. And one of the first goals of this research uh, is to try to establish a chronology um, of extreme weather and uh, events and piracy from the records of the High Court of the Admiralty. So today I'm going to be mostly focusing on extreme weather as the piracy work is still mostly in progress. And I'm going to be talking about um, the methods used to this chron- create this chronology, um, explore some of the impacts of extreme weather and piracy, and then present, present some of the preliminary results of the analysis. So what is the impact of extreme weather and why should we study it? Um, so storms and extreme weather can, can pose ex- an extreme risk um, to mariners at sea, and part of this research um, we want to explore how changing patterns in the frequency of extreme weather um, and piracy might have influenced maritime economies. So, you see, yeah, shipwrecks is one of the major dangers to uh, mariners. And then also, storms can have a more direct effect on the course of our history. So here we have a, um, Queen Elizabeth's Armada portrait from 1588. And to the left, you can just see the uh, Spanish fleet gathering to sail on England. And then the right, you can see it being wrecked off the coast of Ireland by a storm. So, um, some historians have gone as far to study these storm events in detail and reconstruct the actual um, conditions that were happening at that time based on the account of the Spanish, Spanish mariners. So um, in addition to this, um, extreme weather can cause damage and disasters on land, as was the case in the All Saints flood, which took place in 1570 in the Netherlands. And this image shows um, that flood, which caused extreme damage, uh, extensive damage across the Low Countries. So, in addition to that, um, storms also have um, continue to affect us today. And you might remember the winter of 2014 and 13 was particularly stormy in Ireland. And the most extreme storm in that period was Storm Darwin in February 2014. And on the left here, you can see an image of that storm over Ireland, which completely clouds out the country. And then you can see on the right, that sort of sample of some of the damage it caused at that time. So um, some historians have already done extensive research in this area, and uh, my colleague, Dr. Francis Ludlow, has actually extracted 300 years of um, weather extremes from the Irish annals and has, a lot of, and, and has had a lot of success in correlating these events, such as droughts, to natural proxies like tree rings. And then this study is an example where researchers reconstructed rates of tropical cyclones based on the historical records of ships being sunk in the Spanish treasure fleet. So um, how do I hope to add to this research? Well... My intention is to add to our knowledge of frequency, impact and response to extreme weather and piracy, which we'll discuss more later, by studying the records of the High Court of the Admiralty um, that relate to Ireland. 
So the court would dealt with, mar um, dealt with maritime matters and thus they can provide us with a lot of inf great, great information about extreme weather and piracy. Um, so the court's records are a vast collection that runs from the 15th to the 19th century. But for this current research, my main source were the two calendars of material that were published by the Irish Manuscripts Commission. Um, so the first was um, compiled by John Appleby and runs from 1536 to 1641. And then the second was compiled by Lane Murphy and runs from 1641 to 1660. Um, yeah, so the manuscripts themselves are kept, often, uh, the Admiralty manuscripts are kept in the National Archives England, in Kew, of England in Kew. And uh, a few weeks ago I actually went there to view them and take some photographs. So uh, on the left here you can see an example of a volume from the Examinations and Answers series. And then uh, an example of one of the depositions that was contained inside this volume. So this one's quite well preserved, and this deposition is actually from a mariner called John Babb. And in this deposition, he talks about a voyage from Cork to Malaga, during which his, his ship encountered, I quote, a violent storm which caused much damage. Um, yeah, but unfortunately, not all the records in the, uh, from the court are quite well preserved, as well preserved. These two boxes of material are from the late 17th century, and you can see they're just loose collections of papers, and some of these are depositions, others are piece of evidence, pieces of evidence, like bills of lading, ship's logs, and contracts. So while there's a wide array of information, and that makes them very fascinating, it also makes it very difficult to process and to work through. So as I said um, earlier, this research mostly utilised the calendars, but, it's my but it is my intention to add to this further by using more manuscript sources and digital resources, such as the Marine Lives Project, which has been transcribing records from the Admiralty Court. Um, so reading the calendars and the manuscripts gave me a lot of context and insight into the records, but I wanted to take this further and start to quantify certain elements contained within, the, within these texts. So to do this, I've been inputting information from the text into a relational database. Um, so the central element of this database is a voyage table, which records the voyage of any ship described in the text, and then I can relate certain events to this voyage, um, such as piracy or weather that a ship encountered along its way. Um, so ultimately, the aim of this process is to be able to establish chronology of weather and piracy events and then place these events in space and time. Yeah, so from this database we can then query it to produce results like this. So this is just uh, a profile of the dates that weather events took place and it indicates what we'd expect, that there are more storms in the winter months which fits with the normal patterns of Irish weather. And as I said, we've also been gathering um, geographical information about these events as well. So this map here then just shows the locations where all these weather events were supposed to um, have happened. So the, this map actually makes a distinction between storm events and more generic extreme weather, and this is just based on how they were described in the text. Sometimes the mariners will actually say it was a storm, sometimes they'll just say it was really bad weather and we were damaged. So that's the distinction there. Um, and as we can see here in this map, that the main gathering of storm events is around the south coast of Ireland and west coast of Great Britain. Um, but this might not necessarily be a reflection of the stormiest areas. It might just be a reflection of the greatest uh, areas where the most ships were travelling to and from. Sorry, let's go, yeah. Okay, so then within this database, we've also been gathering the routes ship took, ships took before and after they encountered extreme weather. And this map shows all the routes taken by ships that encountered extreme um, weather events. And so these voyages are mapped out in a point-to-point -point style, so I'm not guessing the route the ship took, just mapping out the most direct line between the locations they travelled between. Um... Sorry, that's kind of hard to see. It's not supposed to be indicative of individual routes, but it gives you an idea of the sort of total picture of trade and um, travel. I'm sorry, it's quite stretched out there. But um, this map then appears to show that, that ships travelling south and west were more affected than ships travelling east. 
But again, we need to establish a total picture of trading patterns before we can say this is related to the weather or just again a reflection of the most popular routes taken. Um, so yeah, naturally there's a high concentration of voyages taking place around the Irish and British coast, but then we can also see some other hubs of travel around La Rochelle in France, up here. So then La Rochelle seems to be a major hub, and then also, of course, London seems to be a very popular destination for ships travelling to and from Ireland. We can take this further then and start to map out individual routes, just try to then infer more information about the type of weather events the ship might have encountered. So this map then shows the, sh the short voyage of the Discovery in October 1646. Um, and Discovery was near the Isles of Scilly when it was, um, I quote, developed many leaks due to stormy weather. And then the ship was then, from here, it was blown over to Conseil. So this process of travel can allow us to estimate the pathing of a storm, which can be important when trying to identify the type of storm it was. And then, so we can guess from this then that the direction of the wind was coming from there. And then again, this is correlated by the text itself because the deponent says that the wind was easterly and to the southwest, which was against the discovery going to England. But then we can do this in cases where they don't actually describe the, the direction of the wind, and this can allow us to um, know which direction the storm is coming from. So this map shows the voyage of the trail from November 1607. Um, so it first sailed from London to Dublin and then began to sail towards Kinsale before it was blown off course and ended up by storm and ended up in Stud Wallace in North Wales. So in this case it appears that the wind was coming from the northeast and um, one of the crew in this case described the storm as a great tempest and detailed the extensive damage that was done to a ship by the storm coming from that direction. The ship managed to survive and then it continued on to this voyage, going to Waterford, Kinsale, and then on to Virginia. So again, this process of mapping out the voyages of ships and trying to pinpoint where they encountered a storm can allow us to estimate the direction of the wind and identify the type of storm that it might have been. Um, so this is um, another output from the database, and this just shows all the weather events recorded so far by the year. Um, so the first thing to note here is that there are large gaps in the data, especially for the earlier period, and these will need to be filled in later by using more records. But um, what this graph then seems to show is that there is an increase in storminess from about the 1620s onwards. But um, in order to be able to trust these trends, we have to try and normalise the data. Um, this might be a real increase in the number of storms, or perhaps this is just a reflection of better record-keeping or a better survival rate of records in certain periods. So the process of normalisation is about trying to remove these external variables from the trend and trying to make the data more reliable. And there's no perfect way of doing this, but I wanted to discuss one form of normalization we've been experiment, experimenting with so far, which has been to trying to um, remove the chance that our trends is, is just related to the number of records per year. So this graph firstly shows the number of events on a very low scale, and then the number of records per year. So again, obviously, there's a very low number of events compared to the total number of records. Um, and then if we make a ratio of these two things together, we get a trend of the two of them. So based on this, you would say the periods of the black line are the more stormy periods because they have more storms per, per the number of records. So it's not ideal, but it tells you something about how the records are composed. So from this, it does seem like the 1620s remains a very strong period for storms. And then this later period here, when there's a big increase in records, is quite suppressed in terms of the number of, of storms compared to the unnormalized version. Um, so the, really the point of doing this is, trying to, is try to get data that is as accurate as possible and that actually might reflect natural cycles in our weather. Um, so this graph then shows a reconstruction of the North Atlantic Oscillation, which has been identified as one of the major driving forces of storminess in the North Atlantic. The grey area shows 
the period my records cover, and this reconstruction suggests that the period post-1620 here um, should see an increase in the number of storms, which is a trend that we do find in our data, but I have to say that I'm not going to suggest this is a real correlation yet. Our work in this area is far from complete, and we need to expand our database to include many more, more events before we can prove any correlation statistically, but from this initial results, it seems like there is a correlation here in the 1620s between increased storms and North Atlantic Oscillation becoming um, more intense. Yeah, so as I said, I've also been working on piracy events, and I'll briefly discuss some of that data now. So this graph shows just a simple output of piracy events from, 16, from 1536 to 1641. And so from this graph, the seems to indicate two periods of increased piracy, one in the 1590s and then another in the 1630s. And I want to suggest that the cause of the spike in the 1590s was the outbreak of the Anglo-Spanish War at that time, um, when both the English and the Spanish started to issue letters of marquee to privateers to try to disrupt their enemies' um, trading. Um, trading. So um, for this work, anyway, when I'm not making this uh, distinction between privateers and, and pirates, any ship that was taken by force is considered as a piracy event here, even though depending which side you're on, it might have been a privateer. So, um, again, we can map these events out, and again, we can see a concentration of piracy events around the southeast of Ireland and then the southwest of England, and mostly focused on the small coves of Cork and, Con and Cornwall. Um, so, both these areas were geographically and politically remote, and in addition to this, their proximity to major, major trading routes made them ideal locations for pirates to operate from. So lots of small coves and not a lot of policing happening. Um, and again, we can perform the same type of normalisation based on the number of records, which is the black line. And we can see that the 1590s does remain very prominent, while the later period in the 1630s has been suppressed somewhat um, due to the big increase in records in this period, but the number of events doesn't rise to meet this, so that period gets suppressed based on this normalisation. So it does appear that the 1590s was a particularly bad time for piracy around the Irish coasts. And one of the key questions for my future research is to try to, is to, try to explore how this increase in piracy might have affected maritime activities, such as trade or fishing in Ireland in the 16th and 17th centuries. And so one of the questions I would hope to explore is how it is, did piracy affect Irish fisheries? So this graph shows the value of imported fish into Bristol from Ireland over the 16th century. So we're in the right geographical um, location here for this to this piracy to have an influence and these records aren't complete there's a big gap here between the 16th, uh, 1560s and 1690s but we do find is by the 1590s the value of fish imports into Bristol from Ireland has dropped dramatically so again I'm not going to suggest any real correlation at this point but um, in the future I want to try to focus on understanding some of these correlations and effects better so to summarise what I want to achieve with this work is to establish a chronology of extreme weather events and piracy from the records of the High Court of the Admiralty and then understand the impact of piracy and extreme weather, the impact of piracy and extreme weather had on early modern economies and societies, and finally work to normalise um, these trends and test them against natural proxies like, and phenomena like the North Atlantic Oscillation. So clearly there's still a lot of work to do here, but I hope that I have shown you the potential of using these records for this, and all I have to say then is thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this Tudor and Stuart Ireland conference podcast. If you would like to access the archive of more than 180 podcasts from previous Tudor and Stuart Ireland conferences, please go to historyhub.ie forward slash podcasts. All podcasts are freely available on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on the annual Tudor and Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference, 
visit the conference website at tudorstewartarnon.com.